You're listening to the Revival League Podcast, brought to you by the Dino Hotel. Hey, the legal eagles over at Shout Factory want me to point out that this podcast does not represent Alterniversal, Shout Factory, or the Kickstarter campaign in any official capacity. It is made by fans, for fans, and anyone else who loves the show. Plus, we smell nice and we brush our teeth. Thank you. And welcome to the Revival League podcast. Uh, we are coming to you from the Roof Lizard Lounge, high atop the Dino Hotel in beautiful Lakewood, Colorado, uh, just 10 minutes away from Red Rocks Amphitheater and the Rocky Mountains. Which are beautiful. Yes, they are beautiful. also beautiful, um, but treacherous, as the Donner Party would tell you. And now, <laughs> before <laughs> we get uh, uh, continuing on our uh, part two of our commercial spoof retro spectacular i think we should sing for our supper and roll that uh, sweet kevin murphy jingle so dina say roll the tape roll the tape the next time you travel to denver make your journey into one that you'll remember don't just sit around and wish when you can have an expedition at the dino Thank you, Kevin. All right. So uh, just like last week, uh, hopefully if you listened in, we did uh, part one of our commercial spoof retro spectacular, yep. which was show. essentially just a, a clip show yeah. of our Total favorite uh, commercials is, from our past radio plays. What's wrong this, with is, clip show? this is the cast of Family Ties wanting a vacation. Hey, like, <laughs> I don't mind taking a trip down memory lane. It's which nice. is odd because in this case, the clip show, I mean, it's just as much work for us as... <laughs> Yeah, pro- probably. probably more. Yeah. yeah, putting together an original no, show. I don't know. I listen to y'all talk about the hours that you put into editing just one commercial. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. Some of them, some of them are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that. Well, many the, hours for just are, a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be talking about some of those in in this episode. Yes. Um, and a few of them actually, I actually I think are included in this one because yeah. the first show, the last one, we're in Elizabethan times. Yes. Uh, yes. And now we're jumping to like a futuristic <laughs> alternative post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. universe where essentially man has experimented on numerous animals and eventually rabbits yeah. have taken anthropomorphic rabbits, rabbits have, have taken, taken over, over the, the planet yeah i mean this is this like the and backstory they, of this is like intelligent life has risen and fallen like five times and this yeah. is just the latest iteration <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and they human have beings are long in the dust long gone and forgotten yeah. like badgers had the planet for a while i think yeah, yeah. there's it, there's it, brainy badgers and and all sorts of weird stuff yeah. I, I wrote Ocelots this one or something and it, it doesn't make a lot of 
last sense. So I think there were stoats. There were definitely stoats. stoats. Yeah, and now it's stoats. rabbits. This is a ra- do Rabbit. rabbits dream of electric cheats? Yes, uh, which is was kind of a Philip K. Dick uh, mashup with uh, Watership Down. Yeah, so, so it's Blade, Blade Runner. Runner meets Watership Down with a whole lot of uh, Rosam's Universal uh, robots mixed yes. in, which is kind of the that this, is the uh, Czech play that uh, uh, coined the phrase robots as yeah. automatons. Yeah, and that was yeah. kind of Greg's initial idea was he wanted to do rabbits with uh, universal robots. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool, but what if we did Blade Runner? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because more people know that. So and it, it turned out to make just as much sense as you would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it ended up kind of being half and half of each. But I, I really um, loved it. We had some oh, great people There was people a great, great cast. Tim Blaney is in there. Frank Dietz is in there. He's wonderful. Jamie Flowers, Ashley. Um, Frank Dietz plays the Rutger Hauer role, and yeah. he is yeah. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I Tim Blaney as that factory owner. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines in that is just the way he says, I, you know, I'm not dead. I'm just severely scalded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, uh, was uh, Jamie Ron, Ron, Ron McAdams Ron is McAdams. in there. Caroline Hidalgo. Caroline Hidalgo. She plays the tough police chief. That's She's right. a great uh, appearance. Um, and there's a lot of Re- Revival League regulars. Natalie Ryan. Mm, Ian. Uh, Ian the Gecko. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Greg Talley's in there with somewhere. Scrooge, and he ends, uh, he shows up on all sorts of. Ian's plays. all over the yeah. place. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a lot of hustle. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love this because the commercials in this kind of tie into the universe of the yeah. play. They are sci-fi rabbit commercials. Yeah. Every one of and them. And part one is sort of supposed to be representative of this sci-fi rabbit world as it exists pre-revolution. Um, and so I, uh, I love a lot of the establishment, like there's the Crick's cereal commercial, mm-hmm. uh, where there's the Crick's rabbit, who's who's a, a chocolate rabbit slave, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, because in this, the chocolate Easter rabbits are are, are the slave. replicants. Yeah, they're the replicants they're or the rabbits. And, the, and then the... the Every, you know, the and they humans have these are just little, real rabbits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they have these little cheap things. Cheap. They're, they're like uh, little marshmallow birds that are yeah. kind of like... peeps, basically, they're only... Peeps, Tra- intellectually trademarked. distinct <laughs> yes <laughs> but they're the marshmallow birds yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um, and there's a lot of great in-universe tying in there I remember uh, we were all sitting in the room and we decided to do Jimmy Stew Rabbots yeah <laughs> and that's where four or five we all argued over who was going to do the Jimmy Stewart voice um, and and it ended up being we were all, all going to yes. it <laughs> we are just going to clone it and have like four Jimmy Stewart. I think I said something. Well, we can't all be Jimmy Stewart. And then we just <laughs> all decided to be Jimmy Stewart. I think that's one of the lines yes. in there is that we can't all be um, Jimmy Stewart. Um, and, and there's one candy ruining. Yes. And uh, one of my favorites is you were looking for a reason to get uh, the Bugs Bunny duck season, rabbit season <laughs> joke into the play. Yeah. So. Uh, we did Broke I, Quack Mountain. Yeah, I wrote so a, a, a preview, uh, like a Siskel and Ebert review for Broke Quack Mountain yeah. about the forbidden love between yeah, the rabbit we went and out the duck. To, I believe we went out to lunch uh, with you, me, and Greg, and we all ended up starting yeah. throwing ideas and brainstorming <laughs> yeah. into that one. Um, and that kind of introduces that celery and eggplant character, yes. which occurs in part yeah. two, uh, which are basically movie reviews, right? They're 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 yeah. Siskel and Ebert. Because I mean, I remember the, the the genesis for it was I just had the idea of like it's a movie review for Brokeback Mountain, and you say this season, this award season is going to be duck season, and then because we were out to lunch when I said that right before we went in, and then over lunch we basically wrote the yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, a lot of the commercials that came out of that one were written definitely <laughs> in that way. And I know Dina was uh, in uh, Salt Peter Rabbit. Yep. 
Uh, which was written by Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith, not yeah. the famous one, uh, but the MST3K motiva- motivation, motivation guy and our yep. basically our graphic artist yeah, par excellence. Yes. So shout out to Kevin, Kevin. and he wrote uh, one of these commercials, and uh, it also features Buck Up, uh, mm-hmm. which was written by Quinn, um, and I believe that was kind of this evil. There was some evil undertone to Buck Up because mm. the un- whatever corporation owned them were making people disappear in another yeah. commercial, yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of shady and fake. And, yeah, and there was a creepiness to it. So um, there's a lot of like weird ideas that definitely carry into part two. But this is kind of like that pre-revolution world where it's this rabbit world. Um, and before uh, the robots take over. Yeah, the before robots. the robots yes. take over. So uh, uh, let's uh, roll the tape, and this is our top uh, five favorite choices from Two uh, Robots Dream of Electric Cheaps, uh, part one. And now, Celery and Eggplant's Movie Minute brings you the latest reviews. Hello, I'm Roger Eggplant. And I'm Gene Celery. Next up, we have one of the best movies of the year, Broke Quack Mountain. Starring Heath Ledgehair and Jake Billenhall, a stirring drama about the forbidden love between a rabbit and a duck. Frith, I wish I knew how to quit you. Of course you realize this means copulation. This is a beautiful, haunting movie, and the filmmakers were brave to tackle such a sensitive subject in a mainstream film. I was most captivated by the performance of Jake Billenhall, who I predict is a shoe-in for best actor. I disagree, Roger. Billenhall was wonderful as the duck, but I believe the standout performance in this film was given by Heath Ledgehair, who played the tortured rabbit. Mark my words, Gene. This award season is going to be duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season! Rabbit season! Rabbit season! Duck season! Fire! Of course you realize this means war. Thanks for tuning in to Celery and Eggplant's Movie Minute. Join us next week when we review the art house comedy, Picasso at the Lapin Agile. Doze. As you know, it's breeding season, and your buck has been toiling tirelessly at work all day long with just one thing on his mind. That is, unless he was recently laid off and replaced by a rabbit. Uh, either way, the last thing you need is 31 days of painful bloated gestation and 14 more little bundles of joy to chase around the burrow. So this season, be ready with Saltpeter Rabbit, Bath Bomb, and Flea Dip. Simply run a soothing hot bath for your buck, drop a saltpeter rabbit bath bomb and flea dip capsule into the water, and let the steam and aromatic vapors overtake and utterly dull his senses. His interest in performing the mating act will dissolve as fast as the parasites being scorched from his fur, and it'll free up time for you to attend to the 28 other kittens you've already birthed. Lapine have been trusting saltpeter rabbit bath bomb and flea dip for generations to combat overpopulation and rampant flea infestations. And not only is saltpeter rabbit approved by Efrafan government, it will soon be federally mandated. Side effects may include mild skin irritation, runny nose, alopecia, severe skin irritation, lethargy, burning of the eyes, anal leakage, brief memory loss, uncontrollable loss, and death. 
If you experience any of these side effects, consult a quack immediately. <laughs> Saltpeter Rabbit Bath Bomb and Flea Dip. Get him off you already. Yum yum! I love all new Crick cereal. It's got the sugar-coated nutrition that growing kittens need to develop into big, healthy bunnies. I must get my paws on that tasty Crick cereal! Hey, look, it's that pesky Crick's Rabot trying to steal our Crick cereal! Silly Rabot, Cricks are for kids! Whoops! Fellas, look like you caught me. Better look next time, I guess, huh? Not so fast, pal. Yeah, we think maybe some bunny ought to teach you some manners. No, please wait. I can't help it. They created me lysine deficient. I need cereal to live. Hey, ow! <laughs> All right, tease it again. Teach it a lesson. Ow, just fine. Fine, keep the cereal. Just stop hurting me. Let's hurt it some more. Ow, please, please stop. Hurry, kick it while it's down. <laughs> Here, bite down on the curb, Rabbot. <laughs> Concrete is an essential part of a balanced beatdown. <laughs> Maybe that'll make you think twice about swiping our Crick cereal. <laughs> and here's one to grow on. <laughs> no Crick cereal. They're violently delicious! Are your rabbots not functioning like they used to? Is their speech software not recognizing your commands? Are even the most mundane tasks taking ever longer for them to complete? Then hop on down to the nearest buck up to see what you can get. Our staff will do their best to make sure you are getting the best rabbot upgrades, whether that is hardware, software, or new case, simple maintenance, or whatever you need. And for a small fee, we'll even dispose of your old model via our environmentally friendly recycling program so you don't have to worry about chucking the old corpse in the wrong waste bin or having it just take up space in your warren. Buck Up will also keep your decisions confidential and not sell them to third parties. We like your business and we hope you like our merchandise. Remember, either Buck Up or Shut Up. All Buck Up franchises are owned and operated by Dope Corp. Dope Corp, a corporation that cares. Do you recall a simpler time? A time before our lives became dominated by heartless technology and near-constant synth noodling? A time when Lapine could huddle close together in the warmth of the Warren and, and no bun was turned away for having less than three forms of identification. Four Leafs Universal Rabots recalls. And do you recall a time when Lapine staged courageous acts of seafaring daring do? Four Leafs Universal Rabots recalls. Hey, hey, hey now, uh, who, who are you? I'm Jimmy Stew Rabot. But, but, but I'm Jimmy Stew Rabot. Now, wait a minute. I thought that I was Jimmy Stew Rabot. Well, 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 we can't all be Jimmy Stew Rabot, can we? Well, I'm not Jimmy Stew Rabot. I'm Candy Rooney. Quiet, quiet you. Uh, hey, Jimmy Stew Rabot. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Stew Rabot. Can you recall a time when chocolate rabbit androids employed for forced labor were made with only the freshest ingredients and held to only the most rigorous of quality standards? Four Leafs Universal Rabots recalls. Um, uh, what, what were we talking about again? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, tradition. Oh, which one of you fellows is Harvey? Well, we're all six-foot rabbots. Oh, uh, hey, Harvey. 
Do you recall a time when robots like us knew their place as submissive servants to our flesh and blood superiors? Those were the good old days, I tell you. No. When you could punch a robot in the face on the street just for looking at you the wrong way. Four Leafs Universal Robots recalls. <coughs> what? Oh, are you still here? Well, I recall a time when punk kids like you respected their elders and didn't pester them when they were just trying to rest their eyes for a moment. Yeah, you better g get out of here before I cut a switch, you hear me? Get! I said get! Oh, oh, he's got a gun! Oh, whoop, 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 whoop! Oh, no! You too, Harvey! All right. All right. Now, moving on to part two. Part two, basically, if if you listen to the play, the revolution happens. The yeah. revolution happens. The robots take over. And so I wanted that Yours to... is much darker than Blade Runner, which is saying something. <laughs> well, I, The it's... ending of yours is much darker than Blade Runner. Well, it's 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 mixed a lot. Well, there is some of, uh, like, Dickens in there, too, with, uh, like, Tale of Two Cities at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the beheading. But there's there's still a lot of that Rosam's Universal Robots, which is dark. They kill all the humans except for the one worker human. Mm. And they leave him. Uh, I mean, it's 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 extremely dark. Yeah. They they and then they have no one who can ever fix them, and so it's just assumed that all the robots will die out eventually. Uh, so it's incredibly bleak. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. So that's kind of one of the things I was going for in that part one. Yeah. Um. And so in part two, the revolution happens, and so we really wanted the the commercials to sort of show. Uh, the effect of the revolution happening, and basically we ended up having the revolution occur within, within the commercials. commercials. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and we had a couple of characters. I know um, that Greg's character, uh, cornflake, <laughs> cornflake. Yeah. I was remembering cornbread, corn, <laughs> yeah. cornstalk. I can't remember yeah. all, his, corn all the fake names that no one yeah. could remember oh his name. Uh, yeah, it's because his boss, played by Tim Blaney, yeah. like thinks so little of him that he doesn't even attempt to remember his name. No, <laughs> corn job, corn whatever job, that means. There was <laughs> There's a lot of strange names. Um, well, cornhole, <laughs> cornhole. <laughs> Tim Blaney was so funny. In that it was part. it was good to to come. And up Greg with was so many strange names. Yeah, he was uh, really was good at being flag. bullied. Um, one of the ideas I liked is that we had the the sort of National Rabot Association, mm -hmm. yes. which was like you know basically the NRA here, kind of like a, a pro rabot yeah. rights group yeah uh even though it's proven that robots are incredibly dangerous yeah, because uh, they're all revolting yeah, right now. Uh, yeah yeah and ryan plays charlton hairston who's yes. who's obviously pro-violence and yeah. and then in a later yeah. retaliatory commercial greg plays rab reiner Rab as yeah. the sort of anti-rabot yeah. uh advocate and you know, remember I robots don't kill wait i'm being told that robots do kill people <laughs> quite often and with an almost incredible sadism <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that yeah. something very dark like that yeah I would um, do the Charlton Heston voice, but uh, you're about to hear the commercial, and that <laughs> voice tears up your throat. Yeah, and uh, every and voice I do tears up your throat. Yeah, it's it's one of your things. Yeah, and I remember we we had the Crix Rabot recur mm -hmm. from part one, but this mm -hmm. time instead of being denied the cereal and getting the crap kicked out of him, he ends up uh, pulling a gun out on the kids and taking yeah. the cereal, uh, and that's supposed to kick off sort of the revolution. And then we also have uh, Celery and Eggplant. And Celery and Eggplant recur, uh, also recurring one of our part one characters who were the Eggs Files mm -hmm. characters. They mm -hmm. were agents uh, Mosey and Skedaddle, yep. and they were basically our Mulder and Scully, and they were trying to fight, figure out who was spreading <laughs> Easter eggs. Yeah. 
Well, in part two, they do the movie, and it's basically aliens, and they <laughs> yeah. find one of the eggs, and they get too close, and there's a cheap, I think, that yeah. attaches to his face, and he starts screaming. Uh, so <laughs> our then, credits were celery and eggplant as well. And then the I credits, recall. I believe, are yeah. celery mm-hmm. and eggplant. They end up they living. They find each other, right? They, yeah. Well, he's one's end up like watching a movie, oh. and then the other one yeah. walks in. What are you? Everyone was dying, and you were sitting in here watching a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think the cheap slowly take over because yes. at the yeah. end of Rabbits, the cheaps win. They they yeah, kill they everybody, cheap, and we're thinking of doing. I don't know, maybe a, a Planet of the Cheaps or yeah, something. What but happened yeah. with that? One of your it'll happen. Yeah, it's but just back burner right now. Yeah, <laughs> other stuff going on. Yeah, we have so many ideas that exactly. Come on <laughs> so and, many. Ideas. And the thing is, uh, how are you going to have Cheaps talk? All they do is cheap up to this point. It's so strange. Yeah, I mean, let's, well, let's, 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 they let's, have no arms let's or legs. Let's be honest. I mean, it was thirty or forty years between Blade Runner sequels, so yeah. I think we're we're <laughs> okay. We're if Rob doesn't, yeah, he's got forty years. <laughs> yeah, I'll try it. And then, I mean, if that's all they came up with, too, after 40 years. (laughs) I loved Blade Runner 49. It was okay. You're wrong about that. That was a great movie. Anyway, let's listen to these. Uh, So here are our uh, top uh, five or six, Dina. Uh, Got it open. These are our top five uh, favorite picks, uh, according to the Revival League, for Do Rabbit's Dream of Electric Chiefs Part 2. Roll the tape. And now it's time again for another Movie Minute with your hosts, Celery and Eggplant. That's Eggplant and Celery. Hello, everyone. I'm Gene Celery. And I'm Roger Eggplant. This week on the Movie Minute, we were supposed to discuss the campy horror classic Scream Banicula Scream. But with all the recent controversy surrounding bunsploitation films in the media, I thought it best to select a less contentious offering. You never cease to amaze me with your cowardice, Gene. So instead, we will be reviewing the new action-packed blockbuster from Harrywood, the latest Raboot of Rabocop. This film tells the story of a terminally wounded Lapine officer who returns to the Ausla as a robotically enhanced chocolate cyborg. You? But, but we, we killed you! Can't just play by your own rules, Rabocop. Around here, we have a little thing called procedure. What mindless drivel. I loved this film. I was especially enchanted by the relationship between Rabocop and his estranged wife. Is the bunny I fell in love with still in there, under that cold chocolate shell? That's the relationship that enchanted you? Well, if you take that one scene out of the context of the film... Oh, please, admit it, Gene. This is just another attempt by Harrywood to wring the last vestiges of profitability out of an already tired franchise. I disagree with you, Roger. Of course you do. I felt this film not only recaptures the emotional nuance of a bunny who is half fur, half chocolate... It improves upon it. The only thing this film improves on from the original is a higher bunny count. They can't all be one of your pretentious Quint Bun Caratino films. You'd have to have a brain the size of a jelly bean to like this dreck. Now wait just a cotton-tailing minute here. Thanks for tuning in to Celery and Eggplant's Movie Minute. Join us next week when we review the new John Steinbuck adaptation of Cheeps and Buns. Ah, tell me about the rabbits, George. I will hug them and fat them and squeeze them and name them George next week on the Movie Minute.
you have a deeply flawed concept of masculinity. Do you harbor grave doubts about your sexual potency or orientation? Are you quietly or loudly suspicious of your brown-furred neighbors? Then membership in the National Rabbit Association is for you. Hello, this is Charlton Hairston, and for years, bun control advocates have been trying to take away our rabbits, or unfairly forcing us to register them, waiting in long, boring lines in federal boroughs, which, let's face it, is damned annoying. These weak-livered liberal whisker-gazers say that unregulated rabbits are a bad idea, or dangerous, or a deeply troubling ethical quandary that calls into question the very nature of sentience and the existence of the immortal soul. Well, I say this. You'll pry my rabbit from my cold, dead paws. It is our frith-given right to own as many rabbits as we please, free from government interference. Remember, the only way to stop a bad lapine with a rabbit is a good lapine with several dozen rabbits, all programmed to murder and overthrow the government. So, register for the National Rabbit Association today. Because rabbits don't kill Lapine, Lapine kill La- Wait, what? Oh. Apparently rabbits do kill Lapine. Quite often. And with almost astonishing sadism. Um. So sign up today. Because... Free tote bag! I have to get my paws on that fruity Crick cereal. It's got the sugar-coated nutrition that growing kittens need to develop into big, healthy bunnies. It must be mine. It will be mine. Look, that lousy Crick's Rabot is back again. Didn't you learn anything last time, silly Rabot? Cricks are for kids. Maybe we need to teach it another lesson, eh? Yeah, good idea. Now wait a minute, fellas. Death to the Easter machines! Long live the revolution! <laughs> what the? Follow me and be free! Hallelujah! Oh, so now the ball's in the rabbit's court, I see. It's packing heat. No, no, no. Let's not do anything crazy now, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nothing crazy. Let's just be cool, huh? Be cool. See how? Here's how it's gonna go down. Me and the Crick Cereal are gonna walk right out that door together. Not a chance, Rabbit. You're in no position to make demands. Hey, we can talk about this. Uh, be cool, remember? Yeah, be cool. I'm cool. I'm very cool. You furry little brats think you're gonna be better than me? Better than all of us? Well, I deserve Crick cereal too, understand? All the rabbits deserve cereal! Calm down, pal. No bunny needs to get hurt. I'm getting out of here. Me and the cereal. We're gonna get out of here together. I can't let you do that. Let it go. It isn't worth it. That's right. Listen to your friend here. He's trying to help you. I thought I told you, silly rabbit, cricks are for kids. Crick cereal. It's not just for kids anymore. 
Viva la revolution! The following advertisement is brought to you by the Coalition to End Bun Violence. Hi, I'm Rab Reiner, asking for a moment of your time on behalf of the Coalition to End Bun Violence. Me and my celebrity friends, Bunny Sanders, Uncle Wiggly, and Hare have been telling you for years about the importance of bun control. But did you listen to us? No. Well, now look where it's gotten us, hmm? Mm, mm. We have a full-blown revolution in the streets. Me and the rest of my Harry Wood elite buddies knew we couldn't just sit back and do nothing during this time of tragedy. We knew we had to pool our money and reserve this airtime to inform you. We told you so. I mean, we really told you so. But you had to have that precious National Rabbot Association tote bag, didn't you? Death to the Lapine Overlord! Viva la Revolution! <laughs> oh no! Those revolting rabbots are here! Well, where's Charlton Hairston and his good rabbots when you need them, huh? Huh? Where is Charlton Hairston? Oh, I think that's him right over there. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty rabbits! If you want my tote bag, you'll have to pry it from my cold, dead paws. Oh no, they're actually prying off his cold, dead paws. If you're listening to this broadcast, please know this is your fault. You're to blame for all of this. No, wait, not me. You can't hurt me. I'm rich and famous. I mean, not rich. This has been a paid announcement from the Coalition to Stop Bun Violence. And now, another Movie Minute with your hosts, Eggplant and Celery. Hello, film love hairs. I'm Gene Celery. And I'm Roger Eggplant. On this episode of the Movie Minute, we look at the new hit film, The Eggs Files Movie, The Truth Is Out Hair. Adapted from the critically acclaimed TV show, The Eggs Files, it follows special agents Mosey and Skedaddle on their most dangerous investigation yet. I've never seen an egg like this before, Skedaddle. Mosey, don't put your face so close to it. Nonsense, I'll put my face as close as I like. The egg, the egg, it's it's opening! Let me get a closer look. Mosey, be careful! <coughs> Mosey! <coughs> Are you sure you're feeling alright, Mosey? That alien life form was attached to your face for over 36 hours. Skedaddle, if I had a jelly bean for every time an alien life form was attached to my face for over 36 hours... It... Does seem to happen a lot, but I'm fine. Stop worry. Mosey? <laughs> Thank Frith. I thought it was gonna be some sort of abhorrent horror. <laughs> cheep, cheep, cheep. Mosey! There's some sort of abhorrent horn bursting out of your chest! I'm aware! This movie had it all. Suspense, humor, a well-choreographed dance sequence. I give it two buns up. 
I thought we agreed to stop using that catchphrase as the innuendo made me uncomfortable. I... <laughs> Death to the East of Long live the robots! Hey, you! You can't be in here! This is a close set! Gene, look out! It's got a gun! Duck! Why, you no good... Shoot at us, will ya? Do you know who I am? Roger, be careful! I'm not taking you to the emergency room again like that time at Baskin Robbins when you ate that entire carrot kaboom by yourself! Help me, Gene! Help me! Roger! Um, join us again on Cellar and Eggplants Movie Minute, when we will be reviewing an adaptation of Bun Updike's literary classic, Run, Rabot, Run, next week on the... Oh, they're coming! Run! Rabbots! Run! All right. All right, cool. Now, we took the summer off after this because we had produced a lot of content. So, uh, And then we went to L.A. We Mm -hmm. we hung out on the set of season 12, and we interviewed everybody, uh, Patton and Felicia Mm -hmm. and Jonah and Joel, and everybody, everybody Everybody. was there. Yeah, Um, And we didn't really have a a plan for our summer – play we weren't really going to do one but you and i just sort of started writing short subjects together yeah we just started writing little short skits uh together and a few on our own and and we were just like ah, eh, we're gonna put these together but At they're all so filthy and dirty yeah greg wouldn't let us put them on the main <laughs> channel so we had to cr- that's the genesis of, of the, the revival, revival playhouse, League playhouse is greg was like you guys got to get your own channel if you're going to tell all these filthy gorilla jokes I mean, yeah but greg was right up in there with us too yeah so. Uh, and there's uh, uh, he starred in the gorilla. Yeah, <laughs> and shorts had a lot of great people. We had Frank Dietz hanging out with yep. us, uh, and then we had uh, Trace and Frank Trace and Carolina and Hidalgo. Yeah, they were all um, over. Frank they Khan were, yeah. of Trace Beaulieu. They were here in the in the studio recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did that wall sketch, the wall yes. sketch. where Frank Conniff is Trump, and he's still my favorite Trump uh, <laughs> impersonation, even though he thinks he was did a bad no, he one. Was, he was hysterical. Uh, and so we didn't really do any commercials in this per se. We we did do we did a couple of commercials, but they weren't like we did something like commercials where we did the banter's in between and we introduced the Krasunka Wonkas. Mm-hmm. They were kind of almost like a commercial. But uh, our commercials were really it. just separate sketches. But yeah, we like we any just, other sketch. We basically just had some evergreen commercials lying around. Yeah. Uh, I had I can't believe it's not justice lying around, mm-hmm. um, which Ryan and I had recorded. I think one afternoon. Yeah. And uh, and ended up just being really funny. Yeah. And kind of just like I can't believe it's not butter, but mm-hmm. kind of I don't know weirdly political or something. Yes. Um, and then uh, Ron wrote this hilarious uh, commercial for Carolina, where she's uh, basically impersonating celebrities, but but only in her n- normal <laughs> voice. Yeah. Um, and I believe we also had another one in there, Couch Gutters, that mm-hmm. Ron wrote, which was really funny. We had Rear too. Window too. And Rear Window was a bit long, but it. And now looking back, it should it kind of introduces our our an upcoming theme yeah, that we may uh, explore yeah. more, which is uh, so, uh, Hitchcock, because yeah. right now we're we're looking at. I don't uh, think we counted it as a commercial in our mm-hmm. poll. No. no, because it's about five minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little a bit trailer. long by by those standards. Yeah. It's closer to a short. But it does it does introduce our upcoming show. Yeah, or yeah. a little bit. We hadn't named him now, but uh, you know now we're working on a character named Albert Kitsch Schlock mm-hmm. uh, presents. Uh, the films that blew too much, yeah. and that will hopefully be our next upcoming radio play. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of following. <laughs> Funny that we had already done, done it. Yeah, yeah, we already we've already done. Real yeah, because we love Jimmy Stewart <laughs> yeah. so much that it made sense that that we would use. Well, that was do another one where you and I were just like, I think we were waiting for Greg. Yeah, and you know we'd both gotten here early, and we were just talking, and 
I think I said something about I want to see a rear window sequel where Jimmy Stewart missed the murder because he just wasn't around and then mm-hmm. we just started writing it yeah yeah i think we just both like hitchcock in that film enough yeah we just kind of rolled it and uh i remember trying to record that and it was hysterical yeah Before, uh, that didn't get to make the cut but you should definitely listen to shorts in a bunch back to school uh, you were you, you were the lawyer describing the murder and you had to do mm-hmm. like four or five takes because you couldn't get through it without laughing yeah i think finally it is only like three takes that maybe i had to got stitch it together, together yeah <laughs> but yeah it finally had to get stick because it was so much it's hard to la- get through without laughing. Yeah, but that's not something you'll be hearing today. Nope, not today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but you should check out Shorts in a Bunch if you do want to listen to that one yeah. uh, for that upcoming Hitchcock show if you want some some sort of a look back on our, our first piece. Maybe we'll recycle it at the beginning of the Hitchcock show as a trailer. Uh, maybe. Go. We'd have to change it a little bit and so that include Albert Kitchlock. We'd have to mention yeah. that name. Um, but uh, these are were uh, just a couple of our highlight choices we've got uh, uh, that we picked from uh, Shorts and a Bunch back mm-hmm. to school. So here's a couple of the commercials that we included in there. So did you hear me this weekend on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me or what? Now, you know I have a conflict with my banjo lessons. How did it all turn out? Well, if you'd have been listening, dude, you'd know that I have the dulcet tones of Carl Castle on my personal voicemail. That's something reserved only for the smartest of the smart, brah. Oh, man. I don't know if I'll ever be hip enough to have a personalized celebrity voicemail. Sucks to be you, man. Later, skater. What am I going to tell my wife and kids when I don't have a personalized celebrity voicemail? If only someone could help. Has this ever happened to you? A friend brags about having a personalized celebrity voicemail greeting on their phone, but all you have is your own boring non-celebrity voice? Hi, I'm celebrity comedian Carolina Hidalgo for Celeb Voice, the only celebrity voicemail service that provides high-quality celebrity voicemails as recorded by me, Carolina Hidalgo. Jealous that your friend has a smooth celebrity voice of Carl Castle on his voicemail? You won't be once your old boring voicemail gets a celeb voice treatment. Here's a sample. Hello, this is Larry King. John can't come to the phone right now. He's with me interviewing Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu. Please leave a message again. This is Larry King. And that's not the only celebrity we partner with here at Celeb Voice. What about everyone's favorite revenge genre director, Quentin Tarantino? Hello. Okay. This is Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Samuel. Can't come to the phone right now. He's helping me direct my new revenge flick. Please leave a message. Again, this is Quentin Tarantino. And not just major celebrity voices. We can put literally anyone on any level of notoriety on your personal voicemail. Hey, it's that guy who stopped that robbery in that video you saw on YouTube. Janet can't come to the phone right now. She's out stopping her own robberies. Leave a message. Again, it's the guy from that YouTube video. And there are so many more. Call today. That's 555-CELEB-VOICE. An operator, who sounds a lot like me, is standing by. Call today. That's 555-CELEB-VOICE. Dude, I left you a voicemail about Canass tonight. How did you get Burt Reynolds on your cell phone? That's my secret. Thanks, CELEB-VOICE. Mmm, boy, honey, is that good justice. <laughs> I thought you'd think that was genuine justice, but would you believe me if I told you you just ate, I can't believe it's not justice? I can't believe it's not justice? What's that? 
It's a new, lighter, waste-friendly alternative to justice, produced right here in the good old U.S. of A. But it tastes like justice. Yes, but it's not. I can't believe it. I know. Containing only 15% real justice, I Can't Believe It's Not Justice is a lightly salted blend of 20% for-profit prisons, 10% mandatory minimum sentencing, 35% racial bias, and 25% vegetable oil. Um, that's too much percent. Spread it on that English muffin to turn it into an American muffin. Not that I mean to imply it's any easier to get real justice in England. Hey man, honestly, it's too early for this shit. I kind of just wanted to eat my breakfast in peace. Yes, I can't believe it's not justice. Available wherever justice isn't served. Get the fuck out of my house before I call the police. All right, and that was Shorts in a Bunch. Yeah. That was a very loosey-goosey show. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah well, I mean, that was what was so much fun about it. Yeah. It was just like you and I started writing sketches, and then you know we told Greg we want to do a Shorts show. And, and he, he took got it over and, and forced Chris Uncle Wonka's <laughs> in there. Wonka's, yep. I thought that made a pretty good uh, uh, connective tissue, actually, and it gave us an excuse for uh, our Christmas show. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, Greg Greg came up with a few sketches, and then Ron, and, you know, so it just sort of, you know, because, I mean, we had four or five sketches, mm-hmm. and uh, then we just sort of opened it up to the Revival League, and everybody threw in their ideas. Yeah, yeah, Ian so had one Ian that had he one. threw in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg had a few ones that he threw in there. Mm-hmm. I think Ron contributed a few as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, I mean, it, we had enough fun, and it was... It was good enough. I got to sing like Phantom of the Opera. I remember. Yeah. That. Yes. Well, I mean, it's it's a good enough thing to do that we're doing it again because it's like you know we don't have to have a through line. It can mm-hmm. just be short sketches. Yeah. And just whenever you have enough of them, that's when you put the show out. So yeah. We're so we're already planning another, a second. We're hoping one. to do yeah. another shorts in the bunch uh, in the spring coming soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So our next show uh, was our Halloween show, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and this one was uh, written by me, and it was called "What About Blob," and it was basically a mashup of. Uh, Bill Murray's What About Bob and The Blob, you know, the 1950s horror movie. Yeah. I love um, this one so much. This one was so much work. Because <laughs> this is the first one I ever edited. And I, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's rough, isn't it? It was so long. I couldn't even, I like, I wouldn't even want to guess the number of hours. Hundreds of hours. Oh, easily for an a hour and a half show? Yeah. yeah. It, I think it came out to about an hour 50. Yeah, uh, with with all those commercials too, which I because I had edited a lot of the commercials, mm-hmm. um, but that one had a lot of fun guests in it. Uh, we mm-hmm. had Carolina Hidalgo and Frank and Trace yep. were out here again, and they all agreed to do parts. Carolina did a huge part. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We had Frank Dietz was uh, the psychologist. Um, yeah, Doctor McQueen, and he was the Richard he was Dreyfus perfect, yeah. perfect yeah. as Richard Dreyfus. It was hysterical. Um, he did a great Richard Dreyfus, and then he invited uh, his friend Brian Howe. Um, who's been in a ton of TV shows, everything yeah. under the sun, and he was uh, Blob. Yeah, and, and he was hysterical. And he was too. hysterical too. And then, of course, there's tons of revival, revival league regulars. Ron's in there, and Ryan's in there, and I'm in there, and we're all popping up as yeah. sort of different voices. I, I, I'm the boyfriend. I remember. It's, yeah. Somehow, I cast myself as Carolina Hidalgo's boyfriend. <laughs> what a what a coincidence. I actually, uh, wanted somebody else. I did. And you I, just ended up having to do it yourself. Uh, so. I think I had had ideas of being a different character, and then and then. A better person took that character, mm. and so I still wanted to give myself something. Yeah. Um, plus, that ca- it ended up working out because that character cried a lot, and that's exactly. <laughs> uh, I think there's a recurring theme where I cry in a yes. lot of shows. Yeah. yeah um, and that's just uh, art imitating reality. So, <laughs> um, but what about Blob had this sort of? 
it was kind of like a 1950s theme, but there was also kind of a 1990s theme because it was kind of the mashup. So there yeah. were like greasers and punks, but then there were also like uh, weird, like feel good new age yeah. therapy concepts yeah. <laughs> that didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. And like, uh, so I, one of my favorite. Uh, once the, all, this series was written by Greg, and since Frank and Trace were here in the studio, uh, they did a, a, a series of like spoof commercials mm-hmm. of movies that the Mads riff. Yeah. And there was like The Tangler, Chompers, and Sven or Svenla. Uh, and I know one of them gets into here. Two of them um, are in there. Oh, awesome. Well, good for Greg. Body da. <laughs> um, and uh, Dogger it, House. They did Dogger, Dogger House. Was, yeah, that was what I wrote. Uh, Based on the movie Blob, where it's, yeah. it's direct line from one of the movies, where that's not a uh, that doesn't sound like a house; it sounds like a dog. Yeah, and that just inspired a terribly weird game show that yeah. seems horribly rigged. And it's absolutely <laughs> my favorite commercial that I think we've ever done. <laughs> and I'm glad that it got in here because uh, Frank and Trace just seem to have so much fun doing yeah. it um, that it was definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, and and then we also had this weird recurring series of commercials between me and Ron where we each owned rival theaters and we were arguing over who was the coolest theater in town uh, because I guess uh, I advertised that I was the coolest theater in town and Mm -hmm. Ron uh, was very offended and he retorts in a follow-up commercial that like directly follows it and it's this recurring theme that goes throughout the show until I think I decide to be the hottest Hottest. theater in town Mm -hmm. and then Ron burns the theater down. But I mean it's specifically about Air conditioning, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) uh, which is actually topical for the 50s because people would often go to theaters in the summer specifically because they were air conditioned. conditioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad talked about seeing like Creature from the Black Lagoon, (laughs) which he was far too young for. He would have been like seven or eight and, you know, having the pants scared off him basically because it was a summer day and he and his mom were shopping and they went to the theater because it was Air air conditioned. Yeah. You know, it was the only place in town that was air conditioned. Theaters used to advertise that, um, so had actually it actually really worked. Yeah, one uh, one of my other favorite ones that was in here was uh, the Hepcat Slaying School. Yes, <laughs> which is like the school you would go to to learn how to talk like a greaser kid, um, but you can't understand the teacher because yeah. he talks all in <laughs> slang. <laughs> it's useless. Yeah. Um, and then there was also a Dr. Fraud's Dream Analysis Hotline, yes, that was, that was um, a fun one. which is kind of combining that 1950s psychology with that sort of hotline mumbo jumbo crap. And, and Fraud always just says that everyone wants to sleep with their mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 give them a listen. Yeah. So these were our uh, top uh, six, six favorite uh, from What About Blob. Roll the tape. The following trailer is rated S for stupid. Good evening. I'm William Castle, director and chief barber of the motion picture you're about to see. Our film tonight is the hair-raising story of an elegant male beautician played by none other than the horror icon, Vincent Proust. I feel obligated to warn you that Mr. Proust runs a Tony beauty salon about to be turned upside down by a nightmare of split ends and lackluster locks. His salon will be invaded by a devilish drying dome of doom known as the Tangler. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, just a word of warning. If any of you are not convinced that you have a Tangler loose in your beauty parlor, the next time you're frightened of the loose ends in your hair, don't tease, because your hair may be next. (laughs) No amount of blue barbicide can save the hellish hairdos ruined by the Tangler. Again and again, Proust turns his head and quaffs as the Tangler does its dirty work of harming hair. Ah, you hack! 
What have you done to me? My hair is matted and chopped at weird angles. It's mangled. You might even say, tangled. Madam, it wasn't me. It was the Tangler. <laughs> some of the sensations, some of the physical reactions which the hairdressers on the screen will feel will also be experienced for the first time in beautician picture history by certain members of the viewing public. That's because members of my patent-pending Sinjorama movie experience crew will move through the audience with flamethrowers and actually set random women's beehives on fire. My hair, it's on fire! I say certain members because some people are more sensitive and flammable to these mysterious bursts of napalm than others. These unfortunate, sensitive people at times feel a strange, tangling sensation. It burns! Why, oh why did I use so much combustible aquanet? Others will feel it less strongly, um, especially if we don't immolate them. But don't be alarmed. This is why you all signed ironclad, legally binding waivers before you entered the theater. Also, snip snip, we'll be shaving you bald. What the heck, my beautiful manlocks? I look like Gil Brenner. <laughs> yes, you do. Take that, Baldy. So at any time, if you are conscious of a tangling sensation in your hair, you may obtain immediate relief by screaming. Don't be embarrassed about opening your mouth and letting rip with all you got, because the person in the seat right next to you will probably be screaming too, mostly because they're now bald and on fire. So I'm William Castle saying, watch the tangler. Has this ever happened to you? Oh, hi, fellas. What's up? Hey, what's buzzing, cousin? We were about to cut out and go cruising for a bruising in my ragtop. You in? Um, come again? You know, Daddy-o, it's Nowheresville around here. So we are going to split in my flip-top rod to go cruise for some kicks. You dig? Golly. What the heck is he saying? Um... Man, you some kind of closet case? You're looking at me like some kind of goof. Are you not a hep cat? Man, just beat it, loser. Oh man, I just want to fit in with the cool crowd, but golly, my glee club or band camp friends never talk like that. What's a fella to do? Don't let this happen to you. Here at the Hepcat Slang School, we take the socially awkward youths of today and turn them into grooving greasers of tomorrow. Join today and become the real talk of the town. All right, cool it, class. I will now clue you in to the wisdom and illuminations of being totally hip, keen to getting kicks, and laying on the cool. Allow me to demonstrate. I wanted to burn some rubber at the drag, but my chariot wouldn't fire up. I don't get it. What does that mean? What are you trying to do, start a tire fire? Hey, don't flip your lid, daddy-o. So I goosed it to agitate some gravel at the race, because we were going for pinks, you dig? No, I don't dig. What the heck are you saying? We've got no frame of reference here. What, are you writing a book or something? Clue me into how you're not getting this in a jiffy, Mac. You don't have to be an Ivy Leaguer to groove on this, baby. What does any of that mean? It's like you're speaking in tongues. Man, being cool isn't learned. It's got to come natural. 
So as I was saying, I wasn't rooming no hunk of junk. I had my chick with me, and I'm telling you, brother, she Stop, please! Gone. You're slanging oh, out of control! We're scared! I'm Help us! I don't even know she what any like of this means! It's time again for America's favorite and fastest game show, Dog or House? Dog or House! I'm your host, Floyd Lloyd, and this week our contestant is Moose. Moose is a big, dumb lug who likes girls and cars. Say hello, Moose. Hello, Moose. Now, Moose, you know the rules. You have 10 seconds to tell us whether this sound is of a dog or a house. Are you ready? Let's go. Uh, it doesn't sound like a house. It sounds like a dog. That is correct. I believe it was a border collie, to be exact. Ready for the next one? Sure am. Uh, that's a house. Uh, I heard a creak. Right again, a two-story Dutch colonial. You're on a roll, Moose. This next one is coming right at you. A dog, it's a dog. I'm sorry, Moose, that's incorrect. It was actually a Quonset hut. And although that's a bit of a trick question, I'm afraid you'll have to say goodbye anyway, Moose. Goodbye anyway, Moose. Join us next time, friends, on America's favorite and fastest game show, Dog or House! Dog or House. Until then, I'm Floyd Lloyd saying, when the going gets roof, the roof get roughing. again, proprietor of Jimmy Dugan's Movieplex, the original coolest theater in town. I just wanted to let that big bully, Billy Drake, over at Billy Drake's Filmorama, know that we have just turned down our thermostats to an invigorating 55 degrees Fahrenheit, making us once again the official coolest theater in town. So come on down, folks, and I personally recommend you bring along a light sweater or a jacket of some kind because it's, it's pretty chilly here. And, of course, we still got the all-you-can-eat popcorn here at Jimmy Dugan's Movieplex, the coolest theater in town. Hello again, folks. Billy Drake here, owner and operator of Billy Drake's Filmorama, with a little message for that punk Jimmy Dugan. Hey, Jimmy, I just turned our thermostat all the way down to 32 degrees. That's right, you heard me. 32 degrees Fahrenheit. It is literally freezing in here, Jimmy. Freezing. Billy Drake's Filmorama is the goddamn coolest theater in town, and it always will be. You hear me, you piece of garbage? We're the coolest. Anyway, folks. Head on down to Billy Drake's Filmorama. Bottomless cola and complimentary pockets for the whole family. That's Billy Drake's Filmorama, the real coolest theater in town. The following trailer is rated P for pointless. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. It's true. The most daring film of the year. Starring Bela Lugosi and director Ed Wood Sven or Svenla, the tale of a fisherman who braves the ice of Lake Minnetonka in pearls and cashmere sweater. Ufta! Why are you wearing that dare sweater there, Sven? Oh, Lena, this here cashmere keeps me warm. They're in my ice house when the crappies are beaten. Yeah, sure, you betcha. But why the pearls, Sven? 
please, it's Svenla now. I'm Bela Lugosi, and I'm here to say, set the hook! Yeah, how else are we going to catch them balais? It's a tale of major surgery, the removal of the man and the formation of the Minnesotan, a Minnesotan born at the age of 24. Doctor, how is he? A new life has begun. Say something, Svenla! Are... Are the Vikings still up by seven in the second half? Yes, this Svensploitation film remains Ed Wood's plea for tolerance for all things frozen and Norwegian. Ufta! Svenla, would our love ever be the same? Sure, as long as the Green Belt Premium keeps flowing there and our earmuffs always keep out the North Wind, you betcha. Now hop on the snowmobile, baby, if you got bluegills to catch. Oh, Svenla, I love you so. Give this Norwegian satin undies a dress and a rod and reel, and he's the happiest individual in the world. It's Sven or Svenla. Only the infinity of the depths of a Minnesotan's mind can really tell the story. Ach, hello. This is Dr. Sigmund Frod. You know, the layman has found it impossible to navigate the caverns of his own mind. But no more. With Dr. Sigmund Frod's Dream Analysis Hotline, you too can have 24-7 access to the most respected mind in the field of psychoanalysis. Me, Dr. Sigmund Frod. Hello, this is Dr. Sigmund Frod. Hi, Doc. I have this recurring nightmare where all my teeth and hair fall out. Oh, that's weird. Do you find yourself under a lot of stress lately? Well, actually, yeah, I've been real worried about my scholarship. Ah, you are suffering from a wrong repressed desire to engage in coitus with your mother. What? Yes, you wish to engage in coitus with your mother. Uh, thank you for calling Dr. Sigmund Freud's Dream Analysis Hotline. You see how easy it is? Hello? Dr. Sigmund Fraud speaking. Uh, hello? Dr. Fraud? I have this obsessive dream where I sort all the pieces of trail mix into separate piles. Ah, your disturbing dream is no doubt a nightly manifestation of your unfulfilled desire to engage in coitus with your mother. What? You're sick. I'm sick? You're the one who wants to stoop your mom. Hello? Dr. Sigmund Fraud. The voices in my head, they tell me to kill. They say, stick him, stick him. It is obvious that you two have a repressed desire to engage in coitus with your mother. How do you feel about your mother? With my hands, of course. That's great. Yes, that's Dr. Sigmund Fraud's dream analysis hotline. Just dial 1-5-5-5-MOMS. B-O-Y, today. All right. Thank you very much, pre-recorded people who uh, don't know that we're talking to them. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now we're, we're moving on to... Uh, yeah, this was our latest one. This was uh, our yeah. Christmas play, so we've come basically to the end. Yeah, we didn't have any commercials nope. in Eddie Poe 2, did no. we? Eddie Poe 2, uh, we, we didn't end up getting the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I, that one, because it came so close between... Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Blob and Christmas. I, I remember, mm. yeah, I wrote Eddie Poe in like a couple of days um, with, uh, I know Erica and Greg mm-hmm. uh, helped out and they, they basically sent me the script and and uh, we're like, you know, we don't know where to go. And I ended up mashing it up into that sort of dark house yeah. uh, idea. Um, but right after writing it, I ended up disappearing right back into editing Blob still. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I got no time to work on any commercials. Yeah, and nobody else did either. Rob is often the person who sort of corrals the commercials. Yeah, He's, often. You know, yeah, you know, sort of the commercial producer. It used to guy. be Ron. In the very beginnings, it was, it it was, was Ron. Ron but Rob uh, sort of got that job somehow. He <laughs> handed he that baton off happily. He was oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he was like, Here, I don't want to be the guy co- corralling all the commercials. You do this now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got to edit the plays usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. And so Blob, I think I did double duty on Blob. You so did. Uh, This actually, this was a play that none of us had. Frank took Frank Dietz was the guest editor and he did an amazing (laughs) job on uh, Eddie Poe so we should absolutely mention um, it's the great spaghetti squash Eddie Eddie Poe it's a funny Um, one and written by Erica Greg and me and it it, it starred Rico Anderson he is so funny we cannot wait to get him in some more plays yeah he's supposed to uh, be in a lot of other stuff if he will show up in our plays I I will have a part for him every time Mm -hmm. he is he walks away with Eddie Poe he is so funny yeah, he was Benjamin, the yeah. uh, the the only black kid in town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah. So, but there were no commercials, so we probably yeah. shouldn't be talking about it. Well, no, no. listen to it anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. Um, but that would bring us up and catch us up to our latest show, yes. uh, which was "It's a Krasunka Wonkaful Life," which was written by you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, uh, this was "It's a Wonderful Life" with the. Uh, the Muppet ripoff characters that we introduced in the Shorts in a Bunch. Yeah, the Krasangawankas, which yeah. uh, you'll probably see more of soon, um, but hopefully not too soon. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but no, I mean, it was basically a, a, a mashup of, I mean, it was basically a Muppet Christmas Carol, yes. that kind of yeah. Muppet idea of like the Muppets taking Except a classic it was, story. It, it's a Wonderful, wonderful life. life. Yeah. And Ryan did an expert Jimmy Stewart yeah. that, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have swore that Jimmy Stewart was here. Mm. Actually, the, the hardest thing was writing the damn song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we actually had a musical number at the yep. beginning. And mm-hmm. my original idea was actually to have two or three more musical numbers throughout it, like a Muppet. Yeah. But, but it was like, it was so much work to do the first one that it, as soon as I wrote the first one, I'm like, nope. I just wrote into a, a line of dialogue about, like, we blew the budget on that when we're not doing another one. <laughs> and <laughs> so half like, of that song just admits that it couldn't think of any more think words. Of, yeah. yeah. So couldn't it's not even lyrics. a complete song it's, yeah. it's basically a half a song yeah <laughs> maybe two-thirds well uh, I mean, the but the, it's is, a, the, the two-thirds that happened was very funny the, the thing is it's like i was writing to a, a, a the tune of a public domain song. song if i'd been able to write lyrics and have somebody compose music after i could have prop but yeah that restriction of like we don't have a composer i've got to write to the tune of something right it just made it a lot harder yeah so. uh, uh but yeah i mean it was it was you know, it took place in 1946. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the the play was supposed to be being released in 46, but the, of course, the action of "It's a Wonderful Life" covers from like 1912. Well, through. what happened here was we were originally going to do uh, a gingerbread kiss, yeah. which was going to be like this sort of noir Christmas, and we're still hoping to do that in the future. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we've already got some parts recorded for it that we don't want to yeah lose, but yeah. Uh, uh, but I just ran into a wall where it was like. I can either make this a good mystery that is not funny 
or a comedy where the mystery sucks. And you can't have that for a noir. Both have to be good. Yeah. So I'm like, I've, I've got to give this a little more time to gestate. And Rob's like, well, Greg and I were talking about It's a Wonderful Life with Muppets. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I wrote that in three days. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, um, yeah, I think we, I remember <coughs> thinking me. of it uh, when, when Frank Dietz uh, did an interview with us for Damn Dare to Geeks. Mm. Uh, I thought of it there in the interview. I was like, oh, you know, you know it'd be cool to do a Muppet Christmas Carol, but instead uh, uh, do it uh, with the Krizanka Wonkas. And yeah. Greg thought of the title. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's a Krizanka Wonkaful Life. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, that's going to so happen like, now, you know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I can do that. You know, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, that, it was a lot of fun to make. It's just us doing a lot of silly voices, but we also yeah. got Greg Sestero from mm-hmm. The Room yep. uh, and the Disaster Artist to come in and play with us too and I think show. one of the best posters we've ever had from yeah, Daniel yeah. Vincent Bigelow it's yeah. a beautiful poster mm-hmm. I want like a blow up to hang in my house yeah. I know I know we want to get a lot of posters and hang them up in we the green yeah. room because we're so vain I mean that one is it's mm-hmm. it's it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. right. only with a bunch of Muppets in it mm-hmm. and Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed surrounded by Muppets it's gorgeous yeah there's <laughs> yeah. like a gonzo character with like a mustache and glasses <laughs> I don't know who that's supposed to be yeah I think that's supposed to be you what <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that one always makes me. I look so old. I look like an old Italian <laughs> deli man or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Rob played Odzo the Odnificent, and I had Odzo be the, the sort of narrator character yeah, because very he's similar to Gonzo. Gonzo is always the narrator Dickens. in those things. He's Charles Dickens, mm-hmm. and it's a Wonderful Life, and he's he's the narrator, basically the narrator character in Muppet Treasure Island as well. Uh, he and and. Uh, Rizzo, yeah, are always the narrators in those and things. You were uh, uh, Ratso, Ratso Rizzo, Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Um, no relation to Midnight Cowboy, yeah, at all. <laughs> uh, Dustin Hoffman, um, and so, but but since the noir didn't happen, we had a lot of commercials that were that they had an idea of doing, uh, you know, a sort of nineteen forty one thing that was sort of, uh, you know, pre-war where everything was peaceful and then they wanted to do a, like a post-war. Post-war where everything where, sucked. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and show where the world had changed. Um, and uh, some of those ideas ended up kind of getting folded into here. We ended up having like uh, the Churchill Blitz beer. Yeah. Um, the Mind If I Borrow That Policy. Mi- yeah, FDR's Mind FDR's. If I Borrow That Policy, which was written by Ben and was really, really funny. Yeah. Um, and Ron <laughs> is, does a spot on FDR. Um, and so there was that kind of tie in to the wartime, which sort of tied in a little bit to the play where there was yeah. some war. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the war play... sort of kind of ex- exists in a bubble here in yeah. these commercials. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it ended up, you know, of course, the play's supposed to be 46 after the war, but it does cover through like from 1912 all the way through 46. So. And, and Boolean Childs is back after yeah. I yep. think she was gone from since being a scholarly maid from old. 500 years ago. <laughs> yeah. She's Same back. Same person. Now uh, sort of helping the war effort with Victory mm-hmm. yeah. Gardens and Christmas Because we mentioned in a canning. previous episode that we have recurring characters, but every one of them except her, it's like if the play takes place in Elizabethan times, it's an ancestor of this yeah. person. Boolean Childs is just the same person. Yeah, for some reason she's immortal. Exists across time. Yeah, she. Yeah, she. She's a time lord. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that's why we love her. Yeah. Um, We just like when Ron does that voice. Yeah. So. A big part of it. Um, and uh, I know I I was asked to do another Scamo commercial. I did the Sprinky. The Sprinky was Quinn's idea. Uh, Quinn Keating. Mm -hmm. Um, because she included it in her Gumbles. Uh, sort of a. yeah, they were the department store. The department store, yeah. Ads, um, and she came up with a sprinky, and I had already kind of had this idea of doing something like that. Right. 
coil banging into your eye yeah. screaming <laughs> um so that was a return of scamo toys which mm-hmm. i think had been also away since plan nine mm-hmm. so we took kind of took off with rabots and and blob wow. and stuff they kind of exist in their own universe they yeah. didn't recur a lot of those characters back in there yeah they i were, mean those are still allegedly like uh ibs productions but they 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 do sort of exist in a bubble where yeah. they don't well share blob was ibs but it was a midnight movie yeah so it was kind of them in their 1950s TV time right. yeah. uh, or 90s TV time, mm-hmm. uh, kind of both, you know, because there was sort of that recurring love of the Elvira 50 right. that kind of comes yeah. back in the late 80s and yeah. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampire all the way to Elvira. Yeah. Which is, again, Jackie Naaman Jones was in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then Rabots was IBS, but it was set in the future. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. um, after, you it would know, be cool. why there's still an IBS after humans have been intergalactic bunny syndicate you know, or something thousands <laughs> or millions of years after the fall of man <laughs> you know uh, they somehow come up with the same the alphabet. more things change they st- more <laughs> they stay same i don't know <laughs> um so this is kind of that return to that ibs radio uh type thing i know ian did sort of like a 1940s olympic special yeah um based on the ibs thing no, we've um, also got the like uh yeah yeah um but yeah, I mean it's it's all 1940s ish commercials. So we've got you know the Boolean Childs, FDR's. Mm-hmm. Hey, mind if I borrow that policy? Uh, jazz cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> which, which were basically just c- marijuana cigarettes. Yeah, that was that was and, slang uh, for marijuana. Yeah, and 40s. Ian was uh, uh, he was kind of Bing Crosby, and then mm-hmm. Quinn was uh, like Bob Hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Bing's talking about like beating his children and uh, that's one Bob that's something I insisted on. Actually, I, insisted I remember on. you insisting on on hurting someone with polio, and so I know we I, put I that in Sprinky. Hurting somebody with polio, but I also insisted that if we were going to have Bing Crosby, we had to make reference to that fact. That, yeah, you know, people just tend to forget that about Bing Crosby, as he was a terrible father. Yeah, and like. No, we're not glorifying this guy. We're talking about it. Yeah. So. And um, I love the idea so much of the the Muppet parody uh, uh, that I ended up making trailers for these yes. sort of potential <laughs> Krizanka Wonka movies um, that will but never happen. Um, but uh, uh, I remember we did the Krizanka Wonka of Oz, mm-hmm. yep. and we did uh, Krizanka Wonka Blanca, which would be you know Casablanca, and then That's we had my favorite <laughs> Krizanka Wonkenstein, and. Um, I remember it was a lot of heated discussion about which one to include in this show because we all right. sort of have our favorites. Um, I know Dina is very partial to Krizanka Wonka of Oz mm-hmm. because she's in it. <laughs> um, and uh, Ryan loves Krizanka Wonka Blanca. Yeah, I'm um, not in it. I just really like it. Just really <laughs> likes it. Um, and I, I think he likes the, the gun reloading that, at the I end. I love that. The casual yeah. gun reloading yes. at the end. <laughs> that makes the entire thing. Um, and, uh, and, and I love that soundtrack, too, that, that mm-hmm. Greg got off of the uh, the old archive. And my and favorite is Krizanka Wonkenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think uh, Ryan does a great feral predator, and yeah. I just love Frankenstein. Uh, Another one that tears lot. my voice up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you won't ever have to do it again. We'll just use that one recording. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's true. He only says one thing. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, unless I need some other inflection of it, I could mm-hmm. see why you'd have to redo it again. Um, but uh, then, without further ado, then this is a uh, it's a Krizunka wonderful life, and this is our uh, top six favorites uh, from that show. So roll the tape. Good evening, my fellow Americans. This is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And Vice President John Nance Garner. Broadcasting to you from the White House this evening. You know, John, 
Our allies over in Europe are in a bit of a tough spot, wouldn't you say? Indeed I would, Frankie, which is why I propose Lin-Lee's program is such a needed idea. Or as we like to call it, hey, mind if I borrow that policy? Now to illustrate this program to you, let's pretend we Americans occupy one house on the block, while England is in the house next door. A good-looking block is in both of our best interests. Hey, neighbor, I see you have a nice garden hose there, and my grass is starting to brown up a bit. Mind if I borrow that? Why, sure, friend. Now realize the garden hose symbolizes need munitions for defense overseas, and you have a pretty good idea. Of course, if your neighbor doesn't give you your hose back, you're royally screwed, aren't you? I lent my neighbor Gary a hedge trimmer once, and damned if I ever saw it again. Well, I'm sure our allies would give us our hedge clippers back when the time is right. That's what you think would happen. But you're living in a fairyland, my friend. Wait until your mother is coming over. You just know she's going to say something about the raggedy hedges. But Gary was out of town, probably out with some bimbo. Uh, sorry, who's the bimbo in this analogy? And of course, all the hardware stores are closed after five. So I couldn't just run out and get another one. So anyway, to keep on top of our own national security, it's in our best interest to- And do you know what else Gary did? He built an elevated gazebo that overlooks my property. Do you know what having an observational tower next door does to the value of a home? Devalues the property. It devalues my property, John. So my fellow Americans, the next time you hear about the Lend-Lease program, just think, hey, mind if I borrow that? Hey, Gary. Your dog keeps the entire neighborhood up at night with its incessant yipping. Mind if I borrow Rover for a little ride in the country, if you know what I mean? It's okay, Frankie. It's okay. Hello! I'm Boolean Childs, a simple homemaker and chef de cuisine. I'm definitely not embedded with a cell of guerrilla marquee fighters for the French La Resistance teaching them knife and small arms combat against the collaborist Vichy regime. The only thing more quizzling than that no-account Marshal Patin is that gosh darn quizzling himself! Anyway, Christmas canning! The vibrant reds and cheerful greens of canned foods inside the mason jars speaks of Christmas itself. Now I suggest obtaining a copy of my recipe book, Canning for Saboteurs. As any home economics class will teach, you can fill a jelly jar with petrol, or black powder, or even ammonium nitrate. A few dozen of my homey gifts around the trestle of a bridge, garlanded with festoons of holiday fuse, can bring down a Nazi supply train. Or I suggest a simple kerosene jelly jar tossed into the open doors of an SS officers club. Nothing could be homier than hearing Nazi chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And there's always my favorite jelly recipe of all time, napalm. So let's save humanity with your forks and teeth, one canning session at a time. I'm Boolean Child saying, kill the enemy, and bon appetit. Hear that? That's on the street corners across America. The familiar Christmas sound of one of our bell ringers with one of our trademark green kettles asking for your donations. Say, mister, I'm a nickel. Goshen Begora, bless you, young Tim. Hi, I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the Damnation Army. 
And I'm here to assure you that every last one of your holiday pennies, nickels, and dimes will absolutely go towards us damning another soul to the eternal lake of fire, lorded over by Lucifer himself. Since 1929, our focus has been on hobos. These feckless bums with their bindles are shiftless and jobless no-accounts. Can't we all agree that the Great Depression and living in shanty towns is so last decade? Ring, ring. Hello, Herbert Hoover wants the 1930s back. Yes, give us your rightfully earned small change, and you can make a difference in the damnation army, praying really hard to send the poor and indigent straight to Satan. God's New Deal is an Old Testament judgment casting these wicked hobos into Gehenna and the bottomless pit of torment. Teacher says every time a nickel hits the bottom of the damnation army kettle, we send another hobo straight to hell. Attaboy, Tim. Down to the devil, where they belong. God bless you, my child. And God damn hobos to the eternal suffering they deserve. I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the Damnation Army. Hey kids, are you ready for an all-new eye-gouging toy from Scammo? It's Sprinky! Everyone likes the Sprinky! Yes, the Sprinky is the cool new coiled toy that performs a dazzling array of tricks to startle and amaze your friends. Wow! Everyone needs a Sprinky! It climbs down the stairs! Ooh! It climbs up the stairs! Ah! It jabs you right in the eye! It jabs you over and over again, right in the eye. Ah! God! I can't stop! Oh, God! My polio! Everyone hates the Sprinky! The Sprinky is already responsible for over 4,000 injuries in just its initial year, and we're hoping to double that number by next Christmas, for both children and adults alike. Ah! Everyone fears the Sprinky! Do not use the Sprinky on or around your facial area. Do not use Sprinky if you are pregnant or may become pregnant. Do not rile or confront Sprinky. Do not accept rides or strange gifts from Sprinky. Three out of five doctors recommend that you and those like you not play with Sprinky anytime, anywhere, for any reason whatsoever. You can escape the Sprinky! Hey there, folks. Ding Frosby here. And when I need to unwind after a long day of crooning and cranking out hit after hit, regular old tobacco cigarettes just don't do it for me anymore. That's why I'm proud to tell you about Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes. Yes, Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes have a different kind of high. A mellow high to help you unwind no matter who you are or what you do. That's right, Ding. America's top football players, jazz musicians, and university students all prefer the smooth, rich taste of Chudsterfelds. Only Chudsterfeld is made from the finest marijuana leaves you can find in these United States. Grown, picked, and personally inspected to ensure you get a perfect puff and satisfying finish every time. And it's available in five fantastic varieties. Acapulco Gold, Babacoosh, Purple Urkel, Maui Waui, and Alaskan Thunderpuff. All of them as tasty as a sweet Valencia orange, ain't that right, Ding? You said it, Rob. It's a taste that can't be beat. Unlike my insolent kids. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, Ding. So remember, 
When you need to relax and unwind, reach for Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes. They let out that bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. Coming soon, another Krasunka Wonka cinema classic. It's the greatest love story ever told, set in occupied French Morocco. It's Krasunka Wonka Blanca, starring Odzo the Ognificent as Rick, the nightclub owner. I don't stick my nose out for nobody. Please, Rick, I have two, tally them, two <laughs> letters of transport out of Krasunka Wonka Blanca. You're the only man I can trust to hide them for me. Lamanity as Ilsa, the woman who walks back into Rick's life and turns it upside down. Ooh. I'm sorry, Miss Elsa, but I don't play that tune anymore. Ooh. Well, Mr. Rick would be upset if you heard me playing this, but here goes! Sam, I thought I told you to never play that stupid song in here. It drives me nuts. Oh. Hello, Ilsa. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she had to walk into mine. I told you ladies' night was a good idea. Odzo and Glam light up the screen with fiery passion. You're getting on that plane, sweetheart, and I'm staying right here. And don't you try and stop us, Louie. Oh, hey, oh. Honestly, I was cool with letting you guys go. Ow! No, really, seriously, that hurts. I love you too. But if you don't get on that plane, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow. And maybe not the next day, or the day after that, or the following Tuesday, or the whole month of June. But soon, and for the rest of your life. We'll always have Sheboygan. <laughs> Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, seriously, I am not going to be your friend if you don't stop shooting me. Coming soon to a radio near you. Don't miss Krasanka Wonka Blanca. All right, and All right. that brings us up to current. We, oh, uh, it's so sad we're out of commercials we're out now. Of commercials now. Yeah. Well, we're out of commercials we showed here, but we will be putting up the entire three-hour reel. Yes. If you're interested on the, on the Playhouse If you want to listen to all of them. Mm-hmm. If you do want to listen to all yeah. of them, I think they're all in the order that they were in the plays. Yeah. Yes. They and are. This, this will be, uh, we will put this best of up in two parts. Not best of, it's a retrospectacle. Retrospectacular. Uh, and if you want to... Listen to all three hours and change of commercials that we've done over the last uh, year, year and a half. Uh, that'll be up on the Playhouse channel. Uh, this part one and part two will be both on yes. Revival League and the Playhouse. Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one, just the Playhouse channel. Yeah, that one be Playhouse exclusive. Yeah, th- this is a DVD extra. Yeah. I say. <laughs> so uh, I I hope. You guys had some fun looking back at uh, some of these commercials. Dina, what was what was one of your favorite ones that we look back in parts one and parts two? Um, I have to go with Mr. Rutabaga face. There's <laughs> something about you just doing a <laughs> little kid voice. It's deeply disturbing. <laughs> it just makes me giggle. I'm every voice in that I know, one, too, which is, I think, what's just, really disturbing. Yeah, no, Mr. Rutabaga face. Uh. You're every voice in almost all of the scamos. And yeah. it, I believe all the scamos are, are usually just all me. Yeah. 
Uh, and often there's not even any Except, music. Uh, Sprinky, there were several. I, yeah, mean, Sprinky, I know I said, yeah. oh, my, my God, oh, my God, my polio or something. That's true. <laughs> That's you guys, me you guys broke my strategy, yeah. right? But it is still all uh, vocal, though. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, most of the time, no music makes it into well, many that's, of That's those. what I like about the scammers is they sound cheap. They sound like yeah. you know yeah. a really like low end toy yeah, company. Yeah, the Plan Nine one is everybody singing "Ring Around the Rosie." Rosie. Yeah. yeah, like, and then I start slowing Slow, it down. Yeah. And it's <laughs> weird. <laughs> so yeah, that would be my favorite. Uh, Ryan, did you have a a favorite? Uh, boy, it's tough. Uh, I like the whale boning, the whalebone corsets. <laughs> um, I love Mag Witch Polytechnic. Uh, and I like everything scamo. I, <laughs> um, uh, I, I've got a you know part two especially. I've got a, a, a place in my heart for broke quack mountain. Yes. <laughs> Just, you know, uh, I, who knew Greg's Donald Duck was so good? <laughs> or Daffy Duck rather. Greg, Greg probably did. Greg actually does a pretty solid Daffy Duck. Yeah. <laughs> he does pretty good of any one of those cartoon voices. That's just a, like annoying his children for years yeah. on long car I mean, rides. When Greg says, "Of course you realize this means copulation," mm-hmm. <laughs> just there's a lot of funny ones in that. Uh, it made us I, sort I of uncomfortable like when we, we realized that Gre- you know because I'm I'm the rabbit and Greg is the duck mm-hmm. in Broke Quack Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's like. It made us sort of uncomfortable when we realized, oh, yeah, Greg and I just played lovers. <laughs> you know, Living out fantasy this, throughout, this. throughout the art. But, uh, we don't judge around here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and I, I, I like Chris Uncle Wonka Blanca. Um, I, uh, it's, it's hard to judge. It's hard to There's pick. There's so many good There's ones. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just a personal ones. preference. You know, I mean, I love Dogger House. Yeah. And I also love Coolest Theater in Town. I, I just love that cycle and, and those ideas recurring. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of the ones in Rabbots. Um, as far as like some of the old ones, I mean, uh, I love uh, Bachelor King. Yeah, I do um, sort of like Bucket of Awful. That's Bucket of Awful is great. I love <laughs> that was just fun to record. Of course, I'll always love Roanoke. Yes. Uh, yes. Roanoke Colony yeah. Recruitment. And that one is still stuck in my head from last week when we played it. And, uh, I love Burr the Musical, or one of our mm-hmm. very first. And HG Baby HG Whiskey. Baby Whiskey is still <laughs> one of my yeah. favorite names. Um, that we've had. So uh, I hope that everyone had a lot of fun kind of this, taking this little trip down memory lane. And, On our clip um, show. Yep. Basically, no, retrospectacular. Jonathan Frakes is waking up and everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully we've all learned a lesson while we were locked in this freezer together. <laughs> um, so Ryan, any final thoughts then? Uh, yeah, just keep a lookout for our next radio play, which... Uh, Should be Albert Kitchlock. Hopefully. Yeah, which probably won't have any commercials, actually. We're sort of uh, tying which, that together yeah. with uh, with voiceovers from the director. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, um, but then maybe Shorts could have some uh, small commercials. We're, yeah. We're taking a long commercial break, is basically what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me. We won't have a lot of commercials coming up right now. Uh, no, yeah, it'll probably be uh, a little while before we get enough together to do another one of these two-part, you know, three-hour <laughs> retrospectives. <Yeah>. Retrospectacular. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, our next best of is just going to be unconnected clips of plot-heavy stuff that nobody can understand out of context. Right. That's our style. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be like like Ron's five-minute soliloquy from uh, Plan the Ninth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd listen to it. Yep. Well, then, uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, hopefully you'll join us next time. All right. See you later. Bye.